Hello and welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Michael Benner. Happy to be with you as we discuss in this episode, Life Before Birth. <laughs> now, we've heard the debates and discussions about when does life begin and is there life after death, so-called? What is death? What is life? Well, in this episode, we're going to talk about the idea of life as an essentially spiritual experience that may have no beginning or no end, though we incarnate or perhaps reincarnate into these separated physical forms. Is there a soul? And if so, does it exist before we're born into a physical body? Now, if you're a Christian or Judeo-Christian in your philosophy and your belief, it's likely that you've been taught to deny the pre-existence of the soul. If you're a member of the LDS Church, the Latter-day Saints, the so-called Mormons, you probably believe in the pre-existence of the soul as that's been taught by Mormons since their inception in the 19th century. Islam, interestingly, believes in the pre-existence. Hindus and most Eastern philosophies believe in the pre-existence of the soul. And our pagan forefathers, the great Greek thinkers, also believed in the pre-existence of the soul. So where did the denial come from that the soul is fashioned upon conception, sort of tucked inside us, and stained with the sin of Eve and Adam, the fall. We're going to talk about that today. We have 90 minutes. The first 20 minutes, as you know, is podcast freely around the world. And we appreciate you listening to the podcast. Yet, if you're not enrolled in the premium audio training, you can do that anytime at our primary website, theagelesswisdom.com. Remember the T-H-E, that's part of the address, after the W's, theagelesswisdom.com. Click on Podcasts and Premium Audio, and then on the Premium Audio tab, and you'll be able to enroll for a single class, a 13-episode subscription, or for the deepest discount, 52 classes. At the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. And you can listen either as a podcast through the iTunes store or Stitcher, which streams directly to your computer or mobile device without the need for a download, whatever is your preference. It was the Second Council of Nicaea in the 6th century A.D., in other words, 600 years, almost 600 years, 550-some years after Christ, that the fledgling Catholic Church decided in a convention of bishops that the pre-existence of the soul was heresy. Up until that time, it was unclear. Unclear largely because a number of the early church fathers, Christian church fathers, including the great Origen of Alexandria, one of the most revered of the Christian scholars, believed in the preexistence of the soul and said that it was taught 
in the Bible. It was written in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, several phrases and references. And in order for the preexistence of the soul to be denied, as happened, the church has to teach that God fashions, creates, manifests a brand new soul upon sexual intercourse, upon sperm meeting egg, upon conception. God manufactures a soul and sticks it inside you. And of course, it's tainted by the original sin, at least in strict Catholicism, because of the fall of Adam and Eve. And uh, most Protestants accept that understanding of the fall from Eden as well. So you're a bad person. You're a born sinner. Your soul is tainted, and that's true of every human soul that has ever come into existence, save for one. And that would be the soul of Christ, which, by exception, did exist before Jesus was born and did not suffer from original sin. Just a little exception. You'll have to check with the Pope on how that could be and why that's so. Essentially, I'm sure they'll tell you because Jesus is God and the rest of us are not. And yet, we're told that we're made in the image of God. So we really need to begin by looking a little bit at the story of the fall from Eden Now, we're all fairly familiar, I'm sure, with the common story of Adam and Eve being driven out of paradise, out of Eden, because the snake tempted Eve to eat the apple from the forbidden tree of knowledge of good and evil, which stood right in the center of paradise, the Garden of Eden. The one thing God said, don't do, and... Leave it to Eve. She had to have that apple and tempted Adam to do the same thing. And suddenly, they were embarrassed. Though they had been naked, now they needed to cover up. And the Bible explains at length all the negative consequences of this, like women suffering pain in labor and birth, uh, menstruation, death, In other words, you will now be mortal, for in paradise, in the Garden of Eden, you were immortal, but now you're mortal. If you step back and look at this, it's pretty clear that Eden is not a place on earth, an earthly paradise that Adam and Eve were driven out of, but as many scholars and other critical readers of those biblical passages have come to understand must be a description of heaven, that Eden is heaven, not merely the place the soul goes if you're good after you die, but a place you come from that exists before you are born, that Adam and Eve are souls, and that When Adam and Eve were created, all other souls were created, or perhaps shortly thereafter. I'm sure there's wiggle room there, but the idea that each of us is an extension of a pre-existing soul is a very, very old idea. Again, the Greek thinkers believed this, pagans, pantheists, 
The great thinker Plato said the soul shares the ground of God. The soul being a kind of a spiritual energy matrix, a cohesive element, a package that understands that it is part of the one God and the one life, but it has its own particular point of view. It lives in ashrams or houses of the holy with groups of other souls and extends itself into incarnation or, depending on your belief system, reincarnation. That's very different than the church's explanation, which again, began in the 6th century A.D. with the Second Council of Nicaea, and that's that God fashions the soul upon conception. Now, why would the church do this? Well, if your soul's already in heaven, then the interpretation of Adam and Eve being driven out of paradise and every human being as a result, being born with original sin that can only be redeemed by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. None of that works unless the soul is born with sin and there is no preexistence. If your soul's already in heaven, then it doesn't need to be redeemed. Or if it does, and I think this is something to consider, sort of a middle position. The meaning of redemption is very different. It's not as if there is a heaven or hell, a crossroads that awaits you after you die. Many people believe that physical existence is hell, and eternal damnation has to do with being reincarnated over and over and allowing the willful ego, the fear-based persona, to run things, to succumb to the temptations and the hindrances, the fetters of living a physical life, being selfish, for example, and self-centered, being greedy and slothful and gluttonous and just not caring about other people and not being sociable and kind and loving, that would be enough to cause your soul to be reincarnated again and again and again until you learn the lessons and begin to redeem the soul. So that's a very different concept, original sin, and your soul has to be redeemed because Adam and Eve were in this earthly paradise and did what they should not have done, ate that apple, and somehow we all bear that burden. Many scholars have found references in the New and Old Testament to support their position that the soul is eternal and infinite, that it exists before physical incarnation or reincarnation. Origen quoted, for example, Romans chapter 9, and I'll read a little bit of this, 11 and 12, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. Saying simply that if you haven't been born yet, 
you haven't done anything good or bad. There's nothing to judge you upon. And again, Origin of Alexandria, this is a great scholar of early Christianity. He lived in the 2nd and 3rd century A.D., and interpreted Christianity the best he could. He was a Christian. And he also quoted Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Now, the vast majority of Christian scholars who deny preexistence say, well, that's just God's foresight. God is great. God knows everything, and he knows what he's going to be doing. <laughs> but, you know, nevertheless, here we have this phrase, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. In other words, like so many things in the Bible, you can find whatever you want in there and interpret it in just about any way you wish. What you make of that is up to you. But I think it's important to share that idea because the denial of preexistence is so uniform in the West. The Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, do believe in preexistence. And interestingly, the Quran teaches the preexistence. So Muslims believe that all souls exist as adults before they are ever incarnated in the physical form as little babies who grow to become children and then adults. And then the soul abstracts itself upon death, but remains in heaven throughout. And as I mentioned, Hindus also believe in the preexistence. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna tells Arjuna, Never was there a time when I did not exist, nor you, nor all these kings, nor in the future shall any of us cease to be. Clearly, eternal and infinite as a soul, because you cannot create nor destroy energy. That's the way a physicist would say it. And if you understand spirit as energy, and the soul is basically a spiritual thing, then it cannot be created nor destroyed. That's eternal and infinite. In our last class, the three marks of existence, we talked about how all physical things are impermanent, and yet energy is more substantial than material because it is eternal and infinite. Energy, or spirit, if you wish to call it that, spirit and energy, are eternal, for they cannot be created nor destroyed. So the physicist even accepts that about physical energy, much less the more refined metaphysical or spiritual energy. Can't destroy it, can't create it. Now, that's about all the time we have for the podcast, so let me go to the bottom line here. What's the point? What's the difference? Why does it matter? Well, if your soul is already in heaven, if it is not fashioned upon conception, but if each of us mortal beings are extensions or manifestations, reflections of an overshadowing soul, then the wisdom of the soul just might be available to us. The so-called higher self, could we access it with meditation, with 
contemplation, with reflection. Many of us who meditate believe we know the experience of tapping into that higher self. In fact, in a much more common way, if you consider the Eureka illumination phenomena, as the Greeks called it, the aha experience, as Oprah used to call it, where do those ideas come from that just explode into your awareness fully formed? Well, a neurologist or psychologist might say from the unconscious mind, but someone who's a little more spiritually oriented, a little more mystical might say, well, through the unconscious mind, but from the higher self from the soul, the wisdom of the soul. In the East, this is sometimes called the rain cloud of knowable things, that wisdom precipitates down when you create a path of least resistance through meditation, when you form the intention to stand open and receptive. You can ask questions and they will be answered. Now again, a conservative Christian will say, fool, that's Jesus you're talking to. That's the father aspect of God. That's a guardian angel of some sort. Perhaps it's up to each of us to decide for ourselves what our belief system is. Or not to leave our minds open as we continue the search and to explore all of the possibilities. Again, perhaps... Like so many things, it's the journey that matters, not the destination. Maybe we should not be in such a hurry to arrive at a definitive judgment about the nature of the soul and just perpetually keep our minds and our hearts as well open to all of the possibilities of permutations and combinations of what may be. But... As we continue now into the premium training, that's what we're going to talk about. If our soul is already in heaven, if it could not be elsewhere, though some part of it dwells within us, perhaps it has always been, and we are an extension of a soul that exists now in heaven. Could we connect with it? Could we petition our own soul? Can we listen and receive inspiration to breathe into, to inspire revelation and understanding the awareness of the soul? Podcast people, thanks a lot for tuning in. And if you're enrolled in the premium audios, stay tuned. We have more. Be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. From Los Angeles the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. This is Michael Benner. So long.